Thanks for listening to the Northridge Christian Church Podcast. At Northridge, we exist to help people take their next step to move closer to Christ. We believe that following Jesus is a journey, and we want to help you through that journey any way we can. If you have any questions about Northridge, you can contact us at info at northridgechristian.com. We pray that your life is transformed through this message today. So prepare your heart and mind for this teaching by our executive pastor, Craig Portwood. Those are some good words to hear, some words to bring us some encouragement. And I think we kind of, we all get to that point, don't we? We've been in the eye of that storm, whether literally or figuratively. What happens, a lot of stress happens in our life, doesn't it? We deal with some stress, and sometimes there are those negative stressors, right? They call that distress, those things that are really bad for us to take place in life. And there are some major factors that influence us from that negative stress perspective, whether it's death or divorce or a loss of job or moving, believe it or not, is one of those major stressors, and even illness that takes place. And a lot of those things, they start to sap our energy a little bit, right? They kind of make it hard for us to stay focused and keep moving. But it's not just the negative stress. That the bad stressors that influence our lives that exhaust us, sometimes it's the good stress that also tends to exhaust us. So you may have some positive things happen, like a marriage. You've gone through a wedding recently, that takes a lot out of you. That's a lot of energy poured into that. Or birth of a child, for some coming real soon, right? That, that creates a lot of energy and takes a lot out of you. And maybe it's a job promotion. Maybe it's even taken a step of faith. God's kind of led you towards something, and you've taken a step of faith recently. That's a good stressor, but yet it still fills us up. It still causes us to kind of lose a lot of energy because of all that goes into that. Maybe a visual might help us. If we were to imagine that this empty mason jar is us. And then over the course of our life, some things happen. Or maybe we do get a job promotion, and that's a good thing, but it comes with increased responsibilities and increased other duties during the day. And then, you know, you wake up and your dog messed in the house, and your kids are fighting on the way to school, so now now things are starting to stress you out just a little bit as we keep rolling along. And then, you know, something happens in the car. So that, obviously that's always an issue. And then maybe there's some illness in the family. Maybe you've had some loved ones affected by the storm this week. Maybe recently you've made a decision that's increased your faith. You've decided to tithe. And obviously that's puts a stressor on you a little bit. And we reach that point where we are absolutely full. Absolutely full. And what that means when we are absolutely full is that next event is going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back, right? It doesn't even have to be anything big. It can just be a flat tire. It can be a head cold. It can be that somebody drank the last of the milk and put the empty gallon back in the fridge. (laughs) And that last little drop sends things spilling over the side. And we reach that point in our life where we are absolutely exhausted and frustrated, and now we're just ready to quit. We're ready to give up. There is no hope rising for us right now. Now I'm just exhausted, and I can't keep moving forward. I don't, I don't have anything left in the tank, right? And that's that combination of life just kind of building up on us. And, and when they talk about dealing with stress, they talk about how we respond as one of two ways, fight or flight. Well, you've been fighting for a while. After a while, when you reach your exhaustion point, now you're just going to flight. Now you're just running. The good news for us is that God is not unprepared. He is not ill-equipped. And in this moment of our desire to quit, God says, hold on, because I have something for you. And when we are ready to quit, 
God is the one who gives us the strength to keep going. I can't provide that strength for you. That one of my prayers today was, Lord, let them just see you. Let, let them see the strength that you have for them because I don't have enough wisdom to give you to make, you make your way through this. But God has the strength we need. And there's a guy by the name of Elijah who is an incredible prophet and man of God. We're going to look at his story today where Elijah was ready to quit. Even though Elijah had had a lot of different things happen in his life, he had a lot of good things going on in his life. But when we are at that point of quitting, whether it's quitting a job, quitting a relationship, quitting this faith journey of following Jesus because it's harder than we thought it was going to be, God says, hang on, let me give you the strength you need. So if you want to flip to 1 Kings chapter 19, it's about a third of the way into the Old Testament. You can find it there. You can get there on your devices, or we'll give you a free Bible at our welcome centers on the way out. But turn to 1 Kings 19. We're going to see Elijah at his quitting moment. But I'm going to give you a little background first so you understand how Elijah got to this point. And chapter 18 is actually this, this great high point of Elijah's life. Things have gone fantastic in chapter 18. Elijah is this wonderful prophet and follower of God. And there's King Ahab and his wife Jezebel, who's not a nice woman. They're not a lovely couple. And they had these other gods that they worshipped, one of those being Baal. And at all of these prophets, Elijah decides it's time for the nation of Israel to make a decision. So he says, let's gather around. I'm going to set up an altar. You set up an altar. We're going to pray to our gods. Whoever answers, that's the God we worship. Well, we know what happens. God himself is the only one that's real. He's the only one that prevails. So he shows up in a big way, and fire burns up the altar, burns up the sacrifice, and then they kill all the prophets. That's a pretty spiritual high day, right? Then Elijah falls down on his knees and starts praying because the land hasn't seen rain in three years. He prays, and rain shows up. Dude, you talk about a resume filler. You know what I'm saying? That's a pretty good day right there. That's a lot of stuff to boast about. And he's got to be running on that spiritual mountaintop thinking, all right, this is really great. And then we get to chapter 19. And in chapter 19, starting in verse 1, now Ahab, the bad guy, told Jezebel, the nasty wife, everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. She says, Elijah, you better run because either you're dying or I'm dying. I'm coming. Now, he's just defeated all of this big stuff, right? God has worked with him in a mighty way. Verse 3, Elijah was afraid, and he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. And he came to a broom bush. He sat down under it and prayed that he might die. And then Elijah says something that I think a lot of us have said before. I have had Enough, Lord. Elijah has his I-H-H-E moment. I have had enough. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Elijah, who was so full spiritually, had reached a point of exhaustion and frustration and now wanted to quit. He was done with his life. Let me tell you the first thing Elijah did that was right. He expressed this to God. This may not be a comfortable verse to read. It may be too real and too fresh and too new for a lot of you, but God is the key. God is the source of strength. He is where we go. In verse 5, it says, Then he lay down under the bush and he fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. And he looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals in a jar of water. And he ate and drank and then lay down again. 
And the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat. And this is key. For the journey is too much for you. Elijah, you can't do this alone. God has given you rest. God has given you food. So he got up and he ate and drank and strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night. So God has given him the rest that he needs. He's restored his strength a little bit. Isn't that what we need sometimes when we're ready to quit? We need our strength restored. We need our rest restored. Sometimes we've just got to take a little nap and have a bite to eat because we've pushed so far. There's nothing left. And God has brought him. He's restored him physically so we can now get to him spiritually. And the word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars and they've put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left and now they're trying to kill me. Elijah's got the, the airing of the grievances going on, right? God asked him. God already knew the answer. Let's go ahead and get that out of the way, right? God's not asking. He's not puzzled because he doesn't understand why Elijah's there. He wants Elijah to understand why he's there. He wants Elijah to articulate what he's dealing with. So Elijah says, yeah, here's the deal. I'm all by myself, man. This isn't good. People are threatening my life. I thought I did some cool stuff for you, but now I'm all alone and I'm running. And the Lord said, verse 11, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. You know what a cool moment this is? Elijah is witness to the first ever earth, wind, and fire concert. <laughs> and God doesn't speak through that. Now, God calls that, but what does God speak through? A gentle whisper. I, I think sometimes we, we only look for big moments. We only look, look for the earth to move for things to be so just huge and all. But there's the big glaring sign. Lightning hit that tree. The, the sun came up in the middle of the night. Something big's got to happen for God to speak. God says, no, I can do those things, but very often I'm just going to come to you with a gentle whisper. Let's not miss what happens next. Verse 13, when Elijah heard it. Hold up. How did Elijah hear it? Because he was listening. He was paying attention. He wanted to hear what God had to say, so he listened. And when he did, he pulled his cloak over his face, and he went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? We've heard that question, haven't we? God asked twice. He wants Elijah to make sure he knows what he's talking about. He wants Elijah to confirm this within his own spirit to be able to speak this. And then Elijah says the exact same thing he said before. I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. You know I love you. You know I want to follow you. I've done what you've asked me to do. Now the Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars and they put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left and now they're trying to kill me too. God, I-H-H-E, I've had enough. I'm tired. And I feel like the whole world's crashing down around me. 
I want to quit. And God instead changes this. He flips it right back around on him. He gives him what he needs to hear. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came. Say that with me. Go back the way you came. That is so important. That is so important. Go to the desert of Damascus. And when you get there, anoint Hazael, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel-Meholah, to succeed you as prophet. And Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hazael. Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. Now you read that and you think, where in that is comfort? How's that supposed to help him? I mean, he's talking about frustration. And in this, God reminds of Elijah of the things that are most important. He calls Elijah to do some things that only Elijah can do. He restores him to his purpose. He reaffirms his calling, and he puts him right back on the right path where he belongs. And when we're ready to quit, isn't that what we need? We need God to give us that direction. We need God to give us that strength to remind us of what it is that's most important. And you notice that last piece of that? There are 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down. He says, Elijah, you're not alone after all. You might think you're all alone. You're not alone. I think he continually tells us the same thing. You're not as alone as you might feel. You ever felt like Elijah? Maybe you didn't. You know, kill 450 prophets the day before yesterday. <laughs> but maybe you've, you've had those good things. You, you're kind of riding high for a little while, and you may even kind of dealing with a little good and a little bad, and then you just reach that exhaustion point. I want to encourage you to do the same thing Elijah did. When you reach that point, go to God. That's got to be the key for us to survive. To find hope rising again in our life, we have to go to God. We have to seek him out. Maybe the first thing we'll do is what, similar to what, I, what Elijah did, is we're going to remove distractions so we can hear from God. You know, even in all of that earthquake and wind and fire, he still heard the still quiet voice because he was leaning in. He was tuning out other things. And very often, I think, we have so many distractions that get in the way. And, and I want you to hear this. God wants to communicate with us. It, it's not as if our frustration level and our exhaustion level has chased him away. It's not as if we're escaping from him and he doesn't want to be with us. In, fact, in, in Psalm 139, David writes this, and he just simply says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, well, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. David admits what, what, what Elijah already knows. I can't go anywhere that God isn't. He's going to be there. And that doesn't, man, I don't want that to creep you out. You're like, whoa, hold on, just a stalker. No, that, when God is around us all the time, it's, it's supposed to be a source of comfort for us. It's supposed to be a reminder of the grace of God and that he has some softness available for us. He has compassion for us. And being aware of the presence of God helps us to begin that process of healing. But we've got to remove some distractions so that we can hear that voice. And there are some things I think that maybe are a little easier. Well, I'm going to say them. They're easy but simple, right? Those are not necessarily the same things. Uh, one of the first things I think we've got to do to remove distractions is get rid of technology. Now, I don't mean we need to all of a sudden go back to the prairie days, but you've got to find those times when we set technology aside so we can hear God's voice. Because so often we are trapped by our phones, aren't we? 
or our tablets or any other device. And we're constantly checking. We're constantly looking to see what's going on. And something blings or buzzes or Facebook or CNN or ESPN. And if we really want to hear the voice of God, we've got to cut off all other communication and just focus on him. And maybe that's just for five minutes or 10 minutes or 15 minutes as you develop that discipline. And I'm telling you this now because I've got this figured out either. I struggle with this. And I've got to carve out time where I just kind of set this aside. I've got to remove that distraction and not pay attention to it. Maybe it's even removing that distraction of our activity level and our calendar, right? We fill things up so much that we just don't even create any space for God. You know what I mean? You, you kind of lay your head down on your pillow. not like, hey, Lord, I'd like to. And that's about the end of it. That was our intimacy with God for the day. That was our communication with God for the day. Well, what if we took 15 minutes and just scheduled it out in the middle of our calendars and said, now I'm focusing on God. God, I'm removing all these other distractions and maybe walking away from my desk or stepping out on a back porch or taking a walk in the parking lot. I'm creating that space so I can hear from you. I think those are actually easier things to do than some of the other stuff we've got to turn down. The stuff we've got to turn down in our heads, right? Oh, like our personal agenda. Turning down our personal agenda is a whole lot more difficult, isn't it? I mean, God's trying to guide us to take a step of faith, and we're resisting. God says, I'd like you to give to this. You're like, well, I would, but I'm saving for this vacation. So well, we'll get to that later on, God. I'm, I'm going to hear you, but la, 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 la. I'm going to listen to this instead. Turning down our ego. Hmm. Turning down our fears, the things we're afraid of. Sometimes we don't listen to God because we're afraid of what he might ask us to do. We're afraid of what that step of faith looks like. We're afraid of what it might look like to really follow him with all of who we are. Sometimes just turning down the volume of our past is hard, isn't it? The things that we've done, the decisions we've made, sometimes even the things that have been done to us. They create such a high volume level, we can't hear the gentle whisper of a God who desires intimacy. In James 4, 8, James, the brother of Jesus, writes this verse to encourage us. Come near to God, and here's a promise, and he will come near to you. Now, come on, that's something to get excited about, right? You take that step towards God, he doesn't hedge his bets and lean back and think, well, let's see. He says, no, come on, I'm, I'm eager. You're stepping in, I'm stepping in because I, I want to be with you. I'm asking you to cleanse yourself, wash your hands, get rid of that external stuff, purify your hearts, get yourself right internally, lean in towards me and let me lean in towards you. Why? Because we can't do this on our own. What did, what did the angel tell Elijah in verse 7? The journey's too much for you. You can't do this by yourself. And God says, I know you can't, so come towards me and let me be part of that. And us recognizing that we can't do this by ourselves actually helps us in the next piece of this process. Well, now we get a chance to be honest about our struggles. Now we can be honest about the things that we're struggling with, the, the difficulties that we're having. Because Elijah was certainly honest about it. You know, I guess maybe the perception is that Elijah shouldn't struggle, right? Great prophet, man of God, spiritual highs, all this other stuff. You know what this really tells me? None of us are invincible. None of us are invincible from stress. None of us are invincible from wanting to quit, from reaching our I-H-H-E moment. We're all going to have those. And God is ready to step right into that. He doesn't look at Elijah and say, man, you should know better. You should know better by now. Said God just meets him at his point of need. What he desires from Elijah is some honesty. Elijah gives that to him in verse 4, doesn't he? Take my life. 
God, take my life because I, I can't handle this anymore. I, I just want to say this. If, if you're at that point of absolute desperation, please, please be honest about your struggles. Please reach out to someone. You, you call the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. You, you come see one of us. Come, come talk to Elaine, our care pastor. Stop at the Celebrate Recovery Table. Grab one of our elders, one of our leaders. Grab somebody you don't even know in this church and say, I, I got to have some help. You got to help me on this journey. Please be honest about those struggles and let's let God bring some healing. Let's let God bring some restoration, the things that only He can do to give us strength to keep moving forward. But we've got to admit that we have those issues. God goes back to Elijah two times, doesn't he, in verse 9 and again in verse 13 and asks the same question. What are you doing here, Elijah? And then four verses later, what are you doing here, Elijah? He doesn't ask him because he doesn't know. He wants Elijah to get to that point of being able to articulate, to speak the truth of what he's struggling with. He wants him to understand where he's coming from and how much he needs God's help. So we've got to ask ourselves the question, can we identify how we got here? Why are you here? What are you doing here? Because being able to voice those struggles is the first step in healing. Being able to admit that there's a problem, that there's, there's an issue, there's some, some, some confidence issues, some addiction issues, some, some stuff from your past weighing you down. That's the beginning process of healing. That's why we encourage people to take part in some things that allow you to move in that direction. So maybe for you, that's, that's finding your, in your group life, that life group that you're in is a safe place for you to say, hey, I'm struggling, I really need some help, to be able to confess those things. Uh, but that's a, a group of men you meet with on a regular basis or women that you meet with or, or teenagers in your small groups or college groups, whatever it might be. And I tell you, Celebrate Recovery on Monday nights is a great place to begin. I meet mean, 6.30 every Monday night out on the link, and it's a place to come in and find healing from life's hurts, hang-ups, and habits, and say, I'm struggling. I need some help. Because everybody in there is going to say, come on, we're all struggling too. One of the things you'll hear constantly out there is, I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. Because we start with that. We're on this journey together. We need to find that place where we can admit those things. We can unburden ourselves in front of God. He provides that opportunity to us. And while we're carving out that time to do so, and I, I just ask now, where, where are you going to do that? Are you going to do it through song? Maybe that song spoke to you earlier. Music does that so much, doesn't it? And it just kind of evoked some emotions in you. So now you're taking that in prayer to God. You're saying, God, I'm talking to you. I'm having this conversation about my struggles. I know you already know, but God, I need to voice this. Now, I'm a big proponent of journaling. I, I do that myself and just I write things down. It's not for anybody else to see. That's between me and God. But it's a place for me to write down those things that I'm dealing with, those struggles that I have, those answers to prayer, those things I need prayer for. Find that place where you can be honest about those. And as you're making that time in your life, you may find through meditation and through solitude, you're able to hear the voice of God. And when God speaks to us, he's going to guide us down the right path. He's going to give us the strength we need to continue to find hope. Because that really is what God's all about. He wants to hear from us. He wants this audience with us so that he can bring complete restoration to us. And that's where we find it. We find our complete restoration in God. Not, not just spiritual, but complete. God cares about us holistically. He cares about all of who we are. I mean, didn't he provide that for Elijah? I mean, God's got this great, incredible, compassionate nature through this whole chapter. Not once did you hear him say, hey, Elijah, suck it up, buttercup. Let's go. Get back up on your feet and get to work. No, the very first thing he does is he let Elijah take a nap. And then he brought us some food. 
Boy, great parallel, by the way, with the bread and the water to communion and how God provides for us and is going to provide through his son. And then he tells him to take another nap, and then he feeds him again. So I'm giving you permission. Go home and take a nap. Some of you are like, thank you. <laughs> Appreciate that. Listen, sometimes we've got to get restored physically so that God can then begin to restore us spiritually. Why do you think he commands us to take Sabbath? Yes, we're supposed to focus on him. He also knows we need some rest. That's why he tells us that. He's like, man, you need to rest. Your body's got to recover. Elijah had pushed himself to the point of complete and utter exhaustion. And God said, I'm going to meet your needs here first. I'm going to meet your needs for rest and recovery first. He didn't solve Elijah's problems. He didn't try and fix Elijah in these first several verses. He just let him recover physically. And then once he'd given him some physical strength, I love this, in verse 8, it says that now he'd gotten that physical strength from God, so he got up, he ate and drank, and then he traveled 40 days and 40 nights. 40 days and 40 nights. That's a long travel. But when God is the one giving you strength, you'll go further than you thought you could. When he is the one providing your endurance, he's the one giving you that strength from within, you'll find that you're able to travel much farther than you thought you could when you're going by yourself. And then in that restoration, God comes right back to it in verse 15. I love this. That phrase we repeated with each other. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came. Get back to where you once belonged. Come on now. This is complete restoration, right? God says, I'm putting you back in that position. I'm putting you back on your feet. I'm reminding you of where you're supposed to go. And the thing that he shared with Elijah through this is he's telling him you need to anoint this person and anoint this person. You need to go back and do this. He's reminding Elijah of his calling. He says, Elijah, you are uniquely gifted and positioned to have this impact right here, right now. Don't forget that. And in the restoration that we seek, sometimes we need to know that too. We need God to remind us of the people around us that we are uniquely positioned to have an influence on. The community that we get to live in here and now. That God has said, I put you here for a reason. I put you here to have an influence on people. I put you here to let me work through you to influence the lives of others around you. We need that restoration of calling and purpose. And then he reminds him as well as he restores him to community that Elijah, you're not alone. God cares about every part of who we are. God is not just invested in our Sundayness. He's involved in every piece of our lives. He wants to see relationships restored, our confidence in him restored, our purpose thriving and working in us and through our gifts and strengths. He wants to see us thriving in community, praying, worshiping 24-7. All of this is what God wants to do. He wants to put us back up on our feet to get back where we came from. That's the restoration that God provides, and that comes through his son, Jesus Christ, for us. That's where it begins, that relationship with Christ, because God understood exactly what we needed, and he provided it, and he gave it in the perfect gift of Jesus Christ. So let me ask you, where do you need restoration today? Where, where do you need maybe rest where do you need to be reminded of your purpose? Where do you need to maybe be reminded that you're not as alone as you might think you are? You know, interesting thing about Elijah is it says that in the beginning of this, he went with his servant, and then he left his servant behind, and he went out into the wilderness, traveled for a whole day. Elijah was trying to lose himself in the wilderness. And then it's funny that as much as Elijah tried to lose himself, God never lost sight of him. Even as we might try and lose ourselves, God says, I, I, I know exactly where you're at. And I'm ready. 
I'm ready to restore you. So what will you do today to find that restoration? Maybe it's making that commitment that you've been thinking about it and hearing about it for a while, but tomorrow night you're coming to celebrate recovery. Tomorrow night you're going to show up in a safe, wide-open environment where it's okay to come in and admit that you're struggling and to, to, to struggle along with a whole bunch of other people who are struggling, all moving in the same direction towards Jesus Christ. Maybe that's, that's the commitment you make. And we'll have a table out here in the lobby. You can stop and, and talk to some of the, the volunteers that are out there and, and connect with them and find more about Celebrate Recovery. But maybe for you it's that initial, I need some Jesus. And I've been trying to do this on my own. I, I've been trying to be good enough to earn God's favor. And I recognize now I, I need Jesus Christ. And if you need to, to move forward for that, here is, we're going to sing in just a moment. I mean, if you need baptism or prayer or anything to help guide you along that journey, we want to be part of that. But I think we need to be comforted and reminded by the presence of Christ all around us. So I actually want to pray over you, if you'll let me. And I want to pray a prayer of St. Patrick. Um, and you've heard part of these words in the song that we've already sung this morning, the song we're going to sing here in just a moment. And it's just this beautiful idea of Jesus Christ being before us and behind us and on our right and on our left and all around us. Then I just want to pray that over you. So I'm, I'm going to ask if you would please just be with me and close your eyes. Bow your heads and let me pray this over you, and then we're actually going to pray this together. Lord, for my brothers and sisters, Christ with them, Christ before them, and Christ behind them, Christ in them, Christ beneath them, and Christ above them, Christ on their right, and Christ on their left. Christ when they lie down and Christ when they sit down. Christ in the heart of every person who thinks of them. Christ in the mouth of every person who speaks of them. Christ in the eye that sees them. And Christ in the ear that hears them. Amen. That's the presence of God. And when we are ready to quit, God says, you come to me, I'll give you the strength we need. We're going to sing the song, Jesus, I Need You. But before we do so, I want us to pray that prayer of St. Patrick together. So I'm going to ask if you would please, let's stand together and let's read this prayer as we go into our singing and our time of decision. Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left. Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Christ in the heart of every person who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of every person who speaks of me, Christ in the eye that sees me, Christ in the ear that hears me, amen. And as we sing and you need to make a decision, we'll be right down front. Thanks for listening to this message. If you'd like to find out more about Northridge, visit our website at northridgechristian.com. If you'd like to stay connected throughout the week, download our Church Link app today for your iOS or Android device.